Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I am your host, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners from across the fruited plain and beyond. I'm Aaron Crowley, host of the Fab Lab Podcast, and so glad to be tuning in with you for another episode here, talking about the psychology of selling out, or maybe better put, the psychology of selling your stone shop. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the emotional and psychological and mental strain that I experienced during the six months of selling my company that was completely unanticipated. And this will be the third and final episode, last installment on this little series, talking about this fact that I sold my stone shop back in August of 2021. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about three I've broken this down into three aspects. Number one, which was the role that having my next step already in place played. The role that that played was extremely positive. And I think the reverse of that, the risk of not having a next step is extremely risky for somebody who is in the process or is thinking about selling their company. We're also going to talk about the, the, the practice or the discipline of expecting the unexpected. In my case, I had these preposterously unrealistic expectations about how quickly and how perfectly this sale was going to go. And it went the other way. It was not perfect and it wasn't quick. It took like four months longer than I expected. And there were a bunch of challenges along the way that I did not anticipate, which caused me an enormous amount of strain and stress because I thought it was going to go great. Funny how having appropriate expectations will change your experience. Lastly, we're going to talk about just the relationship between the owner and employees. A lot of small businesses, it's like a family. You work with people for a long time. In my case, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, 17 years, 20 years I've been with this crew. And man, I'm telling you, I did not anticipate the level of stress and strain that existed when push came to shove and it was time to actually start telling my crew that I sold the shop. It was, it was, it was, Unbelievable. And so we're going to talk about those three things in that order. So number one, what's next? What are you going to do after the sale? And why is that so important to think about? And what role does it play in maintaining mental health? Well, here's what I think. I got a call midway through this transaction, a friend of mine who owns an electrical contracting business. He'd been an electrician, owned his shop for like 20 plus years, called me. I was on my way home. I'll never forget where I was at. And I'll never forget what he said. Aaron, I'm done. And he knew I told him that we were in the process of selling the company. And he, he's wanting to talk about the fact that, you know, he's done. He's got to sell his company. And he kept saying this over and over, Aaron, I'm just, I'm just done. I'm so done. I'm just done. And so fellow fabricator, if you're familiar with those phrases, if those are phrases that you've used or words that you've spoken recently, hey, you might be thinking about selling your stone shop. But I asked him, I'll never forget. I said, well, hey, what are you going to do next? Let's just assume you sold your shop next month or next year. What would you do next? And his response to me was memorable. He said, Aaron, I am so burnt out that I'm going to need a year of vegging before I can even think about what I'm going to do next. And and I don't know why that struck me, but it, it, but it was very memorable, probably because I was in the complete opposite situation. I was moving towards my next step. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. It was a strategic decision to get more time so that I could apply that to one venture. And that's why I concluded that I needed to sell my stone shop so that I could focus on no lift install system. And so I had that next step. Here's why I think that's so important. I've heard stories of sellers who backed out at the last minute. Here's why I think that happens. Just just think about this. When you've been in a business for any length of time, there are a couple of things that become more and more and more and more true as time goes on. Your familiarity with the business, with the employees, the customers, the industry, just the whole enterprise, 
you're very familiar. It almost becomes predictable. You also become very comfortable. That familiarity leads to a sense of comfort. The more skilled you get, the more experienced you get at a task, at a skill, at a discipline, if you will, at ownership of your business, you become more comfortable. It becomes easier and easier to do the longer it goes on. That's great. That's actually a huge benefit of being in business a long time. It It gets easier. You also, from that sense of comfort, develop a sense of security. When your income is there and it's predictable, you've been through thick and thin, you're largely able to say, no matter what happens, we're going to get through it, and I'm going to most likely continue to, to retain this nice, comfortable income that I've got. I'm going to retain this nice, comfortable business, this very familiar enterprise. Those three realities, those, those satisfy deep, deep, deep human needs. Don't underestimate the role that those needs play, and don't underestimate the role that those needs might play in a transaction on the eve of selling your business. If you don't have a next step in mind, all of a sudden, that familiarity, the only thing you've known, it's going to be on. It's going to be over. It's going to be in the rearview mirror. That sense of comfort is completely disrupted, as is that sense of security. The question of, what am I going to do next? Is the money going to get me to my next endeavor if there's going to be one? Is my money going to get me through my retirement? What if I live 20 years longer than I expect to live? Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners, I am telling you, you cannot underestimate the power and the benefit of having a next step in mind. Because the likelihood of Continuing through the transaction, not knowing what is next, I believe is extremely unlikely and is likely to induce an enormous amount of stress the closer you get to that date when all that familiarity, all that comfort, and all that security is going to go away, boom, in one signature. And on the other side, it's like everything's new, nothing's comfortable, and nothing feels secure. I'm telling you, even though I knew what I was going to do next, and I had been doing that on the side for about five years at that point, I'm telling you right now, seven months into it, fellow fabricators, it's still uncomfortable. I'm having to learn things I didn't know. I am discovering how much I don't know, which is a lot. I'm having to learn things on the fly, and it's it's, it's the antithesis of being comfortable and, and predictable. Is it secure? No, there's no guarantees. I'm only seven months into this. My entire income depends upon this new venture. And so, and I had something to move into that seemed relatively predictable and stable and likely to succeed, even though there's no guarantees. I cannot imagine having been at the 11th hour of signing that contract and and walking away from all that predictability, security, comfort, and all of that. So having a next step is critically important, whether you're going to retire whether you are just like my buddy, the electrician, who's like, I'm so done, I just need a year off to veg. Let me say one more thing about this. This really has nothing to do with the, this, the emotional strain of the sale per se, but I think it's something to think about. There are lots of problems with this industry that still have not been solved, fellow fabricator. It is very possible that the industry is waiting for you to solve some of these problems that haven't been solved. So if you've been thinking, when's someone going to deal with this? When's someone going to do this better? When is this problem going to be resolved by somebody? It could be you. Now, here's the benefit to that. You have the massive insight of already being an industry insider. You have firsthand experience knowing that there is a particular problem that needs to be solved. You have a stone shop right now, which is your laboratory for testing the solution that you may create to solve that problem. And what if 
that's the path that you follow. Your next step becomes solving a problem for the industry. I'm telling you, there's a lot of problems with this industry. It's an immature industry in its infancy. All kinds of flaws, all kinds of problems, all kinds of opportunities for stone shop owners who are the closest to those fundamental inherent flaws in our industry's business model. Those problems need to be solved. Maybe it's you. Maybe that is what you move towards if, in fact, you would consider selling your stone shop at some point. There's never a better time to start solving that problem than now. Much easier to solve it now while you've got a stone shop to test the solution in than after the fact, and you got to go back to the buyer and go, hey, would you mind trying this out? I've got a solution I think I'd like to try. So having that next step, critically important. I believe that is what allowed me to power through so many of the difficult challenges that I did not anticipate, so many of the surprises that I thought, oh no, we're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it through this, which is the next aspect I want to talk about, expecting the unexpected. Here's, here's, Here's the reality. The moment that contract is signed, what I'm calling the the half-life of owner intention. You know, when you own the shop, when the stakes are high, you're the, you know, the buck stops with you, you're the, 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 the rainmaker. Everything depends upon whether or not you, you know, oversee the job getting done. Um, there's just an amazing amount of inherent fuel and motivation that, that the owner contributes to the enterprise. It's, it's priceless. The enterprise cannot succeed without it. But the moment that contract is signed and you were thinking about the next venture, I'm telling you every day, every day it gets harder and harder and harder to apply that same level of motivation to the current business. It's, it's, it's a risk. It's a danger. So you've got to be critically thinking. You've got to be consciously and willfully mentally prepared to continue to focus on the business. The production manager that we have at No Lift, he told me this story right as this transaction began. And he had owned a robotic welding business that was supposed to be acquired. He was approached by a very large competitor that wanted to make a strategic acquisition. They're like at the 11th hour. I don't know if it was three months, six months, how long it was, but they were at the very end of this transaction. And for all intents and purposes, he had already handed the business over. They were already essentially letting him run it for them. And this was very deceptive. It was very egregious, but they backed out at the last minute. And it was devastating to this individual, this owner of the company, when the buyer backed out at the last second. He told me, this was his cautionary tale, Aaron, you need to keep this in mind. I'm basically sharing with you, fellow fabricator, what he shared with me. And this determined how I mentally approached this sale. But he said, you've got to run the business as though it isn't going to sell. Because if you don't, what I'm calling the half half life of owner intention, every day that goes by, those challenges that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, there is a great temptation to go, that's the next owner's problem. That's not my issue. I'll let somebody else deal with that after this business sale completes and closes, and it's somebody else's problem, quote-unquote. There is a tremendous risk and temptation. That is the emotional surprise that I experienced in terms of I just was not anticipating that. I thought I was going to be able to will myself and just run the business as though it wasn't going to sell. But I'm telling you, even though I made that commitment at the very outset because of this individual's advice to me, despite that commitment, 
it was shocking how strong the pull was, how intense the temptation was to just brush things under the rug. And I had to will myself on a daily basis to deal with problems, to to conduct business as though the business wasn't for sale and wasn't going to be sold because in the event that the buyer backed out at the last minute, the alternative, the risk is that you 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 relax to the degree to where the business suffers so much that if you wind up owning it after the fact, you've got a big problem on your hands. You've got a lot of cleanup to do. You've got a lot of issues in the business that haven't been resolved or maintained, and your business has been severely and negatively affected by that. And so I just, I'm, I'm passing along this advice. The buyer for our company went through with it, and I'm proud to say that I handed over that business to that new owner um, in as in as well a situation as could have possibly been expected because from the outset I made the mental commitment I'm going to run this business as though my life depends upon it which up to that point it had and as though this sale isn't going to happen so then in the unlikely event that it didn't I wasn't left with a, a business that was operating subpar and so I handed off that business it was just running as well as I could have ever made it run at any point in time when he took over, which I think was a blessing for him, and it was a blessing for my staff as well. But I'm telling you, that temptation was unexpected. The other thing that I didn't expect was the surprises. There were things about the business that I didn't know. A couple of them, just to know. Had I been anticipating this, it would have allowed me to build some buffer into the purchase price, which I didn't do, because I didn't expect these kind of things to happen. Here are two of them. 100% my responsibility. Didn't have an employment agreement with the sales rep, commissioned salesperson, who retired in the middle of this sales transaction. I also didn't know that by Oregon law, all of the sales that had been logged as sales in a legal sense, this sales rep was still due those commissions even after their retirement. Now, because I didn't know that was happening, I didn't know that law, I didn't write that into the purchase agreement. So I found myself in this no man's land. I've got a purchase agreement for a fixed price. And now I've got sales commissions that are due to a sales rep for sales that haven't happened, that are going to happen for the new owner. I went to the new owner. I was like, look at this. He's like, well, I didn't, that wasn't in the sales agreement. I didn't budget those commissions. And the sales rep had a good point. It's like, I closed these sales. You owe me the commissions. So guess what? Little old seller here who wasn't paying attention to his own business had to come up with a lot of money. I'll just say it right now. It's $35,000, and it was completely legit. It was what the sales rep had coming, but it was something I was not aware of in my business after 23 years, 20-plus employees or some things I didn't know. Didn't know. Had that, had that sales rep not retired, they would have continued on as an employee of the new company and it would have just been business as usual. But because of the way that worked, that was unexpected. And I'm not talking about that. Well, maybe you want to go talk to your sales rep and have that conversation if you don't have an employment agreement like I didn't have. You may want to go do that. But but the point really is to just expect the unexpected. That was devastating to me. I didn't have that in the budget, and that came out of my proceeds of the sale, which I had not factored in. I was already counting my chickens before they hatched. Well, that was one that didn't hatch, and and it was stressful. It created you know an enormous amount of strain on me as I wrestled with that, and I grappled with what to do before I finally just had to accept the fact that that was coming out of my pocket. Wow. Another one, piece of equipment that we bought. Didn't read the uh, the contract well enough. The loan document, little fine print, I assumed incorrectly it turns out that there was no prepayment penalty 
And since we bought this piece of equipment in the early part of the year, we'd only made a few payments on it when the transaction closed. I assumed that the payoff was going to be about what we paid. Turns out there was a prepayment penalty, and I ended up paying all the interest on that son of a gun. And so um, another big hit to the, the purchase price. So had I known that, had I been expecting unexpected expenses, and there were more of those that came up after the, ca- the transaction closed, things with insurance, like a audit from workers' comp that had been done that just hadn't made its way through the system. I owed a bunch of workers' comp that had been audited just because our payroll had been higher than we had anticipated, than we had budgeted. So I had to pay that after the sale was over. For, for workers' comp, payments that had been made for employees in the prior year it was like wow write another check you know out of the proceeds of the sale so had i been expecting that i would have built more margin into the the value of the business lastly i want to mention it's just the delays the expectation that this thing was going to go just bang 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 two months we're going to be out of there it was six months so there were four months of delays and i think had i had more realistic expectations had i listened to the attorney who said aaron your expectations are absurd this is going to take this long i didn't want to hear it I didn't want to hear good advice. I wanted to hear that it was going to be over soon. And so just file this away, fellow fabricator, stone shop owner. At some point, you find yourself in a business sale. You're going to have to expect unexpected delays. There are things that are just going to come up, like the refinance on our building that had some delays, like the financing for the, the buyer had some delays. And it just, it's just a fact. It's just a reality. It's not something that you can control. And, and had I expected those, and I think in my mind, my fear was that delays were going to put the transaction at risk. And because mentally I had already moved on to my next venture, even though I was trying to run the business, you know, as though it wasn't going to sell mentally, I was already down the road and I had already moved on and I was already imagining what life was going to be like in this, this, this new phase of my career. And so those delays created, I think, exponentially more stress than they would have otherwise created because I worried that they might sink the deal. Delays are going to happen. A delay isn't going to sink the deal. The buyer wants to buy the business just as much as the seller wants to sell it. Delays are just a part of the transaction, and you got to anticipate that and not drift in or give in to the uh, the just the, 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 the untrue belief that those delays are going to sink the deal. So lastly, I want to talk about what I'm calling the staff strain on the brain. The difficulty of parting company with a group of people that you have worked with for years. 23 years, I had employees that have been with me 10 years, 13 years, 15 years, 17 years, 20 years. We, were, we had been through the Great Recession together. We had been through the, the, uh, the near loss of the company in 2018 when my GM practically ran it into the ground and that recovery, that, that turnaround those individuals were instrumental. They stuck with me through that turnaround. We wouldn't have turned it around had it not been for them. And so those shared experiences, bonds are developed over the years. Man, being in the granite countertop business is brutal. It's, it's like, well, I'm not going to say that. It's difficult. It's way more difficult than most other businesses. It's far more difficult than the business that I'm in now. Far more difficult. Those challenges forge bonds between the owner and the employees who help the owner get through those enable the business to survive those challenges and so you cannot underestimate the 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 strength of those relationships and then the the sense of damage that is done to those relationships when the owner decides to sell that sense of abandonment and i'm telling you there was 
couple of aspects to this, just the relationship and this transition from being in this together to then me moving on. And the first one was this period of time where I was in the process of selling the company. We were working through the transition, the due diligence period, the refinance of the building before we actually had the, the, the purchase agreement signed and the earnest money. I felt as though I was being disingenuous. I felt as though I was deceiving my team because I still had to show up every day. I still had to show up to these company meetings and lead the company as though nothing had changed. It was imperative that I lead like that in case nothing changed. And so this double mind, I felt like I was deceiving my crew. These people that I would never lie to, these people who I expected not to lie to me, I felt like I was, I just wasn't being honest. And the fact is, it's at a certain level, it's just not appropriate to share that kind of information with the staff. It creates so much uncertainty. Um, it would have not been good for them, for the business, for the new owner, for the company, for me to have divulged this any sooner. But in that interim, it was just this yucky feeling that you just have to get through it. There's just no way around it. I remember one point, one of our sales guys got a call from a customer. I know how I still to this day have no idea how this happened. Knock, knock, knock on my office. Come on in. It's one of our sales reps. He's like, hey, I just had a really strange conversation, Aaron. Okay. And I'm, you know, like on pins and needles every hour of every day anyway at this point. He's like, yeah, I just was talking to one of our customers. They're down at the slab supplier. And they said, hey, by the way, we heard that Crowley's is selling. And we're wondering what that means for our job. I mean, we're still going to do the job. But, but what is it? How is this going to affect our job, the fact that you're selling? And our sales rep turned around and told them, no, 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 the supplier that you're at, they're moving, which apparently was the case at the time. And the customer said, no, 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 we were told that Crowley's is being sold. We're okay with that. We just want to know how is that going to affect the schedule and how is that going to affect our job? And he assured them that that wasn't the case. And then two seconds later, he's in my office telling me this, essentially going, are we for sale? And I've completely caught off guard, totally unprepared, not in the habit of lying to my staff under any circumstances or deceiving them. And so I'm like cornered in my office. I got nowhere to go. And um, the, the best I could do was to come up with this statement. The business is not for sale. I said that very emphatically, which I guess technically was true because the purchase agreement was already in place. I didn't have the company up for sale. Essentially, I already had an agreement to sell the company, but it still felt very deceptive. And he's like, oh, okay. So he walks out. I'm thinking, wow. And he told me after the fact, he knew something was going on, even though he he believed me. He's like, nah, something else is going on. But I'm just telling you here, this, this sense of, of deceit, this fact that you're keeping secrets from your crew, you're acting one way, but you're believing another, just very stressful. The other thing that was really stressful about this was the point at which I had to tell the crew. One of the things about our company was this team that we had developed, the system that we had for fabricating. I'm telling you, state-of-the-art, one-of-a-kind, very unusual for the industry. But it, it was as successful as it was because of the great team that we had developed who had been running the system for as long as they'd ran it. My big concern was that the moment that I tell my crew that I'm selling the company, we were going to start having defections. And so then, because I'm a worst-case type of thinker, I immediately start thinking, worst-case scenario, the buyer's not going to want to buy the company if my key staff starts leaving. I got to tell you, the sense of apprehension, fear, and foreboding that existed prior to me telling the crew, unbelievable stress. And where the way I dealt with that was... 
how I shared, you know, in this first episode talking about why I sold the company because I had something that I was moving towards because I wasn't abandoning them because I felt like, Hey, look, this is, this is something I have to do. It's not that I'm leaving you. It's that I'm moving to do something else and it's making room for a new owner who can come in and focus exclusively on this company. Being able to tell that story was hugely helpful, but it's still, it only diminished. It didn't eliminate it. It only diminished the stress. That's just a part of it. This, these relationships. So there was the practical fear that I had of people leaving. Then there was the relationship itself. There was the sense that I was, I was tearing those relationships at some level. The fact that I was moving on and we had been through so much together that I would somehow leave those folks behind. To a certain extent, to a certain extent, that was reality. And so you just have to understand that that is going to be an extremely painful, difficult, and stressful part of this process when time is right to actually inform the crew. And I did, I, th- I think I did a pretty good job of this. I met with my four managers first, all in one day, the night before I had planned to tell the crew. I met with each one of them, bang, 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 asked them not to say anything, told them I'm going to tell the company tomorrow, told them why, told them about the new owner. And because we had a high degree of trust and we had durable relationships, that helped. I won't say it completely overcame it. Here's what's, here's what's interesting. The folks that I thought were going to re- react badly actually reacted pretty good. And the folks that didn't react well, I was surprised. I honestly, I, I, my expectations were not fulfilled. Now, it all worked out in the end. And interestingly enough, seven months on, all but one of, excuse me, all but one of those managers is still on board. And that entire staff is still on board with the new owner. And so that transition actually occurred. It was fantastic. But I'm telling you, the strain on both sides, it was a strain for my employees because in the interim, the, and then we probably told the crew or I told the crew at about the two-month period. So for four months, there was this looming uncertainty for them. There was this expectation that, you know, like something's going to happen. Just like I'm a worst-case thinker, you know. Well, so are, so are some other people. And, and it required of me to be much more involved in terms of communication, much more face-to-face than I had been previously. The business kind of ran itself, and so I didn't have to be super involved. I mean, I interacted with people periodically, but it wasn't on a daily basis. I felt the need to be in pretty much constant communication with my team during that four-month transition period. Um, to, to, in a sense, try and hold things together to reassure everybody, hey, listen, you got to trust me. This new owner, is. A, I wouldn't sell this company to somebody who's going to come in here and fire everybody, liquidate the assets, and just take the sales. And, and, and it required that, but it was, it was stressful for everybody. A couple of our employees had been through business sales that had gone very badly, and they were the most concerned. They didn't believe it could be a smooth and positive transition. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this, this this was a miracle, in my opinion. Looking back, I, I honestly believe it was a miracle, and here's why. I believed this during the lead-up to the close. I believed it after the fact, and here we are seven months later, and I can look back and say it, in fact, was a win-win-win situation. Here's how, and here's why. Like I said, that entire staff minus one manager, that entire team is still together to this day working with the new owner. So it was a win for them. And the fact that the new owner was able to come into that enterprise with singular focus, fresh, motivated, optimistic, sky is the limit sort of intentions, where I was 
My, my, my focus was split between three companies and a podcast. So the new owner won by retaining this great crew. The crew won because they got an owner who wasn't distracted, who was able to single-mindedly step in there. And the benefit to the employees, the benefit to the crew is their career options expanded when that new owner stepped in because his focus was not split between multiple ventures. And so employees won, the new owner won, and I won. I got to step away with a clear conscience. I got to exit that business with my honor intact, (laughs) knowing that everybody won. And I am thankful, literally, I am thankful to God. After the sale, I probably thank thank God like every day. Now it's probably every few days when the thought crosses my mind. When I look back and I go, it's just remarkable despite all the stresses, despite all the risks, despite all the unexpected surprises that cropped up that I was sure were going to sink the deal despite all of that, the exact opposite occurred. The new owner stepped into that role. The business is expanding. The crew stayed on board. Their careers are expanding. And I got to step away with my honor intact and move into a new phase of my professional career and development. It was a win, win, win. And I'm so thankful. But man, I'm not sure I would like, well, let let me put it this way. I am thinking that it's possible that I will sell another company at some point. So I think that's possible just because I own, I still own two companies. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that I might sell one of those or both or both someday. That's a possibility. What is guaranteed is that because I have been through the experience now before, those experiences will be much different. They will be much better. I will enter those with much more realistic expectations about how long and how that process will unfold, and I will know what to expect. I will be expecting the unexpected. That will be reflected in the sales price. My timeline will be much more relaxed in terms of when I think this transaction is going to be over. So I know that the next time, if there is a next time that I sell a company, it's going to be completely different than the last time because it was the first time through. And so ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, I hope the same thing for you. I hope that by me sharing this experience, the fact that I sold my stone shop and why sharing with you how that transaction unfolded over those six months and now talking about the psychology of selling out the mental and emotional aspect, the role that that plays in this transaction. I hope that by sharing this with you, you will not only be able to thrive in the event that you do decide to sell your stone shop, I hope it gives you some context and perspective today so that you can begin making changes in the business that makes your business more valuable down the road so that you can sell your company. And that's what the Fab Lab podcast is all about. Ladies and gentlemen, resolving this question in my own mind, can I really speak as a can I really speak as a voice of of authority and reason? to fab shop owners if I don't own a fab shop. And I'm here to tell you, I believe the fact that I no longer own my stone shop, it actually makes me more qualified to speak to the business side of running a stone shop. And if you work on the business side of your stone shop, fellow fabricator, stone shop owner, I'm telling you, if you focus working on your business, to quote Michael Gerber, author of the E-Myth Revisited, if you focus on working on your business, which is the business side of your stone business, if you focus on that today, your business will be worth more tomorrow, making it more likely that you make that transition should you ever 
choose or decide to do such a thing. And so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the Fab Lab Podcast, The Psychology of Selling Out. Just want to remind you, just a little reminder here, you can actually watch these podcast episodes on YouTube now, uh, just like Joe Rogan, I guess you could say. Just go search for Fab Lab Podcast on YouTube, and the channel will pop up, and you can watch these episodes. You can watch me flailing my arms here in my office all by myself. And um, make sure you check out AaronCrowley.com. If you've got questions about selling your business, if you've got questions about, you know, maybe what it would look like to sell your business down the road, or maybe you've got questions about my book, Less Chaos, More Cash, Check out AaronCrowley.com. You can send me a note. We can connect. I would love to hear from you. So now make sure you tune in next time for the next episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. Oh, man, I've got some great interviews coming down the pike, and I've got some great topics that we're going to talk about as it relates to running your stone business. So make sure you tune in then. Until then, fellow fabricators, happy fabricating.